Welcome to Global River Church Sermon of the Week. We hope you enjoyed today's message. For more information about this podcast and other resources, visit globalriver.org. Well, let's pray. Lord, I thank you, Father, for your faithfulness. I thank you for what you're doing among us here. I pray now that the word of truth would be rightly divided. And we give you thanks, Lord, today. In Jesus' name. The... uh, the women's conference, which is put on the full armor of God, was, uh, I think there were 48, is that right, Loretta, 45 some women in the present? And um, when I get reports, like, it was amazing. So don't stop, uh, before you leave, come and look at all of the, uh, Parthena does always such amazing artistic expression of things. Um, but it's interesting, um, when you look at the Ephesians 6 warrior, the Ephesians 6 warrior, it's, you notice when Paul did this in Ephesians 6, he did not talk about the javelin. And so there's an interesting uh, teaching that was just, ha- just happened this week, clicking on Perry Stone, and Perry Stone was teaching about the armor of God, which I thought, that's interesting. So I, l- I learned something from it. Maybe you already knew this. When Paul's in prison multiple times, one of the guards, the Roman guards who were there, was probably in the full regalia with the exception of the javelin. And he uh, goes on to mention that the helmet of salvation, right? So when you look at the, the soldier, the Roman soldier, that, by the way, they conquered the world, so they must have been pretty good at what they were doing, right? Ruthless in many ways. But so you got the helmet of salvation, which is we want to capture our thoughts with the helmet of salvation. The gospel of the shoes of peace. And if you'll notice, there were, there were traction. There was actually pieces of uh, traction. And I like how Parthena did it. She put nails through the shoes, right? And so that they could have in battle, they didn't, get, they didn't lose their footing. And so they also had the belt of truth, which was the gird yourself up with the belt of truth, right? The spirit of truth. And then there's the uh, shield of faith, the sword of the spirit. And you'll notice, I love how she designed this, the shield has got the capability to lock shields. So if you ever, I don't know if you see some of the older uh, shows where they're fighting hand-to-hand combat, and they'll say, lock shields, and they'll lock the shields up and the darts go into the shield as opposed, and then they pull the sword out of the scabbard and they fight. So he trains our hands for war, and there's a time and a strategy in war of how how you fight and win. The javelin, would, this is the interesting part, probably in the jail cell they would not have had the javelin because they weren't going to battle. In the javelin strategy of war, when the advancing uh, enemy was coming, they would take the javelin, it was purposefully designed, they would throw the javelin and if it hit the enemy, it would bend. Or if it hit the ground, it would bend so the enemy couldn't pick it up and use it against you. And at the end of the war, they'd come, battle, they were victorious. They'd take it, actually take it back to the smith, blacksmith and they'd reset it so that, again, strategically, and then they had this, the, the shorter sword which they used for hand-to-hand combat. So in the warfare, there's, what's the purpose of this, Pastor? There's a strategic plan, there's a reason Paul tells us to put on the full armor of God, to stand against the wiles of the devil. And so we wanna be wise. Today, um, the message that I had been thinking about, actually, while the ladies were preparing, what are the biblical characteristic of women warriors, I, and I've never studied this in, in my 40 some odd years as a Christian, so I, I got really intrigued about all this. So before we start, um, what, maybe three of you, tell me a woman in the Bible that most impresses you and why? Deborah, Deborah. Esther, Esther. Esther. 
Ruth, okay. So why? Deborah, she was the judge. We're going to actually study her, but she was also a warrior, prophetic. Right. When, when a man relinquished his responsibility, Deborah stepped in. We're going to look at that as a message, man. There's something about that. When you don't take your rightful role, some lower raise up a woman to do it for you, and then you'll be embarrassed by it like Barack was. Okay. Um, Ruth. What about Ruth? What was her story? A loyal woman, right? She forsaked all of her family and went with Naomi. And tragic stuff that happened, right? Um, Naomi's husband dies. Ruth's husband dies. Her sister-in-law's husband dies. A famine hits the land. And so you talk about trial and tribulation, but Ruth is loyal. And, of course, God sets up Boaz, the kinsman redeemer. Great integrity, amen. So I was uh, meditating on this. I said, Lord, I've got a lot of women in my life. I, like when we do our gatherings, I've got five generations in my house. Uh, my mom is soon to be 96, right, Mom? Very soon to be 96. And, and she still um, gives me advice and correction. Can you believe that? Isn't that what mothers do? <laughs> It's just amazing, mom, mom, I got it, mom, no, no, son. And so, and then he gave me my wife, praise the Lord, over. I know you're gonna say, this guy's ancient, 49 years married. Yeah, wow. I met her when she was 16, and well, the rest of that's a story to tell, but anyway. And then I've got three daughters, and you know Katie, Sarah, and, and Laura. And I've got eight granddaughters. Just had one born last week, praise God, great grand. And so, so I've got a lot of women. And, you know, I, I don't know, let me talk to the men for a minute. You ever wonder why God made the woman he made? The they think differently, right? I want to tell you, I heard this analogy, and I just think it fits well. Some of you, I've told it before. I think I told it to kingdom men. I know we're supposed to, what goes to kingdom men stays in kingdom men, but I'm just going to. Um, so, so there's this really, really awesome spiritual man. He's like, he's like, God has just got his attention. Remember, it's kind of like where he sees, God sees Cornelius in the book of Acts, who gives praise and worship and alms to the poor and and anyway, the angel shows up. So this guy is like really impressed God that he's such a, he's like an Enoch. It's like, whew. so one day God shows up to the man and says, you have done so many righteous things. I want to bless you, my son. Give me something. What's the desire of your heart? You have a desire in your heart? He goes, well, let me think about that, God. He goes, you know, I have family in Hawaii. Could you build me a highway from California to Hawaii so that I could drive that? I don't like to fly. God says, that's going to be a lot of like environmental impacts and, and uh, like, it, wow, that's like, do you have another desire? He thought about it for a while and he'd had this disagreement with his wife the night before and he's, God, could you make it so I could understand my wife? God says, did you want one lane or two lanes? <laughs> Now, ladies, we know we need help, so don't get mad at me because you were created to help us, right? My wife says, you need a lot of help. <laughs> anyway, okay. So when we look at 
the biblical characteristics I want us to kind of unpack today. So if you take your outline, as I was meditating on this, these are the, he gave me a couple of paragraphs. I just want to read them to you. It's actually the, the top of your outline here. Some of the biblical, so you might not see yourself, ladies, as a, as a warrior. It's like, man, I'm just trying to get by. Yeah, that's what warriors do here. So let, let's look at this. The biblical characteristic of women warriors. She's a woman who often does not see herself as a warrior at first. But nevertheless, she chooses to rise above fear and insecurity to find courage to stand steadfast and be obedient, a call greater than she ever expected. Stop there for a minute. How much of your life has worked out to your plan? (laughs) Probably not much at all, right? Oftentimes, they find themselves in overwhelming circumstances and wonder, how did this happen and how did I get here? Boy, I've heard that from prayer ministry many, many times. Seemingly, with what looks like no other choice, she's driven by love, truth, and righteousness. She stands. She fights to overcome hatred, injustice, evil deception, to protect and transform the people that she loves. Her weapons of warfare, they're not carnal, but mighty to the pulling down of strongholds. She fights on her knees in prayer. She motivates others to join outwardly to uncover evil schemes and wicked strategies. She can be quiet, even unnoticed by many, but nevertheless, she's fierce and she's ruthless against demonic forces. The devil and his minions, they know her and they fear the warrior that's rising within her. This warrior can be a grandmother, a sister, a friend, a businesswoman, fill in the blanks, an aunt, a friend. This warrior, with her weapons of truth and love, driven by a sense of justice to bring righteousness and to counter evil. Today, the war on drugs. We've lost too many to fentanyl and other crazy things. I'm not gonna wanna bury another young person. Never again. Poverty, immorality, lawlessness, addiction, trafficking, abuse, destruction of babies, evil indoctrination of children and youth has raised a new breed of these warriors. They're gonna fight to destroy demonic forces and see the kingdom of God advance. God is calling the women warriors to rise and be courageous, be steadfast and persevere before God. And I've met some of these. Actually, there's many of them in here that have taken some pretty strong stands against stuff that's going on. Rescuing the broken, the homeless, the addicted. So I want to look at some of the biblical examples. I mean, we could list many more. You talked about several. Jochebed, I think it was Lisa actually shared on that. Many don't know her, but she was Moses' mom. Think about her circumstance. Children are being destroyed by Pharaoh, and to save her child, puts him in a basket and launches him into a crocodile-invested river. God 
sees her faith, and of course you know that Moses is raised by Pharaoh's daughter. How about Moses' wives? We know that Zipporah, she actually stood in the gap and saved Moses. God was actually gonna kill Moses because of his, un, his disobedience. There's not really a lot known about his other wife, the Cushite woman out of Numbers chapter 12. She's the black woman from Ethiopia. Her name was Tharbis. Josephus wrote about her. We know it from that case where Moses gets into issues with his oldest brother Aaron and his older sister Miriam. And God hears their gossip against his leader and pulls them out and strikes Miriam with leprosy. And Aaron, not being a dope, he gets on his face and repents. And so we can see that there's a whole lot there about, and actually the Ethiopian Jews are making Aliyah back to Israel now. Blood verified. Blood verified. They, in order to make Aliyah to Israel. So there's, this God has a history of doing things that, uh, whew. How about others? Rahab. She's the uh, woman who ran the house of ill repute in Jericho. Who was no dummy either. Saw what was coming, heard about the crossing of the Jordan by this tribe that was obviously blessed by God himself and she protects the two spies and actually becomes the great-great-grandmother of Jesus. God's not as much hung up about our past. Uh, We're more hung up on it than than he is. And so he can redeem to the uttermost. Um, We also see others in here. Elizabeth, John the Baptist's mom. What about her? Can you imagine being 90 and pregnant? (laughs) <laughs> I just heard a no from a mom. <laughs> um, and so can you imagine what was the talk of that town, right? Like she actually hid out, it says, for six months, right? And when Gabriel reveals to Mary, she goes there and, the ba- you know, the whole thing, baby John the Baptist filled with the Holy Ghost in the womb. Don't tell me that that is not a baby. And so, yeah, anyway, so we got Elizabeth. How about Mary Magdalene? The woman we don't know a whole lot about except Jesus cast seven demons from her. She's also the one revealed at the tomb. Saw Jesus. So it goes on and on, but now we got some others that aren't very well liked in the Bible. What's the most villainous woman of the Bible in your mind? Jezebel. Yeah. Another one? Any others? Delilah. Yeah. So Jezebel, man, she is the wickedest of all, right? Immoral, murderer, schemer. Um, in the battle of the uh, Baal prophets on Mount Carmel, Elijah, I've been there, and they have a, uh, a, a memorial there of Elijah. When you, look, when you overlook the Jezreel Valley, it's like, whoa, something. Can you imagine the battle that took place here where 450 prophets of, of Asherah and, and Baal prophets, 400 of them, and, and uh, Elijah takes them all on, and you know the story of let the God answer and he certainly does. And then Jezebel puts a, a kill list out on Elijah. And the, this is always amazing to me. He faces off somewhere between 400 and 850, depending on what you see in the Bible there. And he, and he kills them. And then one woman says, before the sun goes down, I'm going to kill you. And he freaks. 
right? He says, I'm all alone, it's just me, everybody else has given up. He goes, no, get up, please. I've got 7,000 that have not bowed their knees to Baal. And then he gets angelic food and he runs for 40 days, <laughs> hiding out from the woman. So, hey, I, I'm just saying, she must have been pretty wild and wicked. And uh, in fact, later the prophecy, because of her wickedness, God says, you're gonna die and the dogs are gonna eat you. And you can see that in 1 Kings, actually it's in 2 Kings uh, 9.30. Um, she's standing on the wall and two eunuchs throw her down. It's not a pretty picture. The Bible is not meek about that. <laughs> and it says the, dog, the dogs eat her. Whew. Delilah, how about the deceptive Delilah with her wiles who Samson fell for that. And you know, this is that place where we have to be really wise and careful with all of our influences. And So when, let's look at some of the amazing characters, which you already know. If you look at your handout there, Esther. In Esther chapter two, let's, let's turn there for a minute. In Esther two, what an amazing story. I wanna dig into this a little bit differently because Sometimes we think, well, they had all the blessing and favor of God, but no, look at the trials and tribulations stuff they went through and the choices. They were just like you or me in the midnight hours where there's the battle going on. Should I do, can I do this? Do I have what it takes to do this? Why don't I just hide? And so we see, if you know the story of the book of Esther, the, the place where Vashti, the queen, she's disobedient to King Xerxes and she's removed. So this is the way they're gonna, we have to find a beautiful queen, she has to be beautiful. So they, they round up all the beautiful virgins in the area, and this is a pagan kingdom, and they take months and months beautifying them. And so we know that Esther, Hadassah, who's raised by Uncle Mordecai, she is somehow selected for her beauty but this is not the best of all best situations. Think about this. I wouldn't want this for my daughter. In verse 10 of chapter two, uh, Esther had not told anybody about her nationality. She's a Jew. And so they select these pure women so that the king can decide what he wants to do in his pleasure. And look at verse 12. Before each young woman was taken to the king's bed, she was given a prescribed 12 months of beauty treatment, six months of oil, myrrh, followed by six months of special perfumes and anointments. When it was time for her to go to the king's palace, she was, taken, give, she was given her choice of whatever clothing or jewelry she wanted for the harem. That evening, she was taken to the king's private rooms, and the next morning, she was brought to the second harem where the king's wives lived. There she would be under the care of the king's eunuch in charge of the concubines. She would never go to the king again unless she had been especially enjoyed her and requested her again. I'll just stop there for a minute. That's ugly. That's just plain ugly, okay? Um, can you imagine being in your teens, 20s, and the rest of your life you're in some second harem and never see the king again? That's... That's bizarre. So, you know, here she is. She doesn't really have much choice, but she goes, and of course we know God in the midst of all of the craziness 
has a way of revealing her purpose. So she doesn't demand a whole lot. In fact, she takes the counsel, if you read that in verse uh, 15 and 16, it says, she took the advice of the head eunuch and she asked for nothing. I don't know what the others did about jewelry and all, but she was one of the most humble. And obviously, the king was moved by her. We know this favor on Esther because what's God doing? He's actually gonna save a people through the craziness of all this stuff. God will preserve his people. He will use the pagans of the pagans. So whatever, I like to have Pastor Terry open the service. Forget about what's going, well not forget about, but don't get all wound up about what's going on out there. Right? God's in charge and he knows exactly what he's doing. He's not silent to what, he's not blind to what's happening. So we go on and we see this whole thing and I love the place there. So here's the orphan Jewish girl who's raised to be a queen in the pagan kingdom, chosen by God, a famous quote for such a time as this. Her characteristics of humility and honor and wisdom, prayer, fasting, and strategy. You know, when it comes time to, you know, Mordecai gives her advice that, you know, you can say no to your call, but God will raise up some other one to handle this. And how do you think you're gonna escape this mess? You're not. So you might as well be loyal to your call. So she says yes, but he says, help. Now this is where she gets fasters and prayers. Let's join in a three-day fast, the Esther fast, and let's pray that God will give favor. But then the Lord, I don't know how she got this, but um, I often tell my daughters, you women have power, right? And so she gets a strategy. I know how to get a hold of this king. It'll be through his stomach. Why are you laughing, my bride? (laughs) <laughs> I haven't missed too many meals she'll tell you that but anyway so alright so what does she do she sets this thing up and says I would like to honor you and I've got a banquet for you and all of your executives right so she sets the banquet up and probably spent a whole lot of time and the king's up and he says what are you up to half my kingdom that was such a good meal half my kingdom right <laughs> Man, we are like, we're simple creatures. Anyway, so, and so she goes, no, 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 come again. So she does another banquet the next day. Now he's like, okay, you're up to something. Half my kingdom. Goes, and then she reveals the plot to kill her and the, her family. And, and of course, you know that story. So there's something powerful about, she knew her man. She knew how to reach him. And so there's something about that about how to pray the strategic plans to how to reach the men that are in your lives, ladies, your sons, your husbands. There's something about wisdom there that you can, God will give you a strategy. Mary of Nazareth, you know, we certainly know a lot about her, but I want us to turn to Luke 1. Uh, no, actually, let's look at Luke 2.35. You know the, the, the Christmas story and how God chose this teenage virgin to to, to be the mother of the Son of God. Whew, wow. What was it about her? We want to honor her. But in the process of after the birth and you know the, following the, the Jewish custom, in Luke chapter two, after eight days, they take Jesus on his eighth day to be circumcised and dedicated in the temple. That in itself is a thought, was like, wow. So they're in the temple and 
Simeon, who's a prophetic man, verse 25 of Luke 2, says at that time there was a man in Jerusalem named Simeon. He was a righteous and devout and was eagerly waiting for the Messiah to come and rescue Israel. Holy Spirit was upon him, I like that, and had revealed to him that he would not die until he had seen the Lord's Messiah. That day the Spirit of the Lord led him to the temple, so when Mary and Joseph came in to present the baby Jesus to the Lord as the law required, Simeon was there. He took the child in his arms, praised God, saying, Sovereign Lord, now let your servant die in peace. As you have promised, I have seen your salvation. He's holding this eight-day-old Jesus. He says, I have seen the salvation which you have prepared for all people. He's the light to reveal God to the nations and he is the glory of your people Israel. Jesus' parents were amazed at what was being said about him. Then Simeon blessed them and said to Mary, the baby's mother, this child is destined to cause many in Israel to fall, but he will be joy to many others. He has been sent as a sign from God Many will oppose him. As a result, the deepest thoughts of many hearts will be revealed and a sword will pierce your very soul. When you think about Mary standing there at the cross with John during the crucifixion, I can't, the deepest cry of a mother's heart to lose a child and then to see this. So here's, not only did she endure the embarrassment of being unwed when she's pregnant. And of course, the Lord intervenes and gives Joseph the dream and reverses all that. And so we know that she endured much with a broken heart. Mary endured what she was given in her assignment with a sword that pierced her soul. No wonder we honor her. Deborah already mentioned her in Judges 4. The woman judge who was also prophetic, a prophet. And of course, the judges in that time in Israel's history, the judges were the ones that were in charge. And she's raised up. And even in the male-dominated society, prophetic revelation leadership was acknowledged in then. Amen? And so, Deborah, you know the story. There's a war that's about to break out. Deborah gets the word. You can go to battle, raise up 10,000 warriors, tells Barak that he says, come. And he says, no, unless you go with me, I'm not going. And she goes, well, okay, but then you're gonna release the honor to the woman. He goes, whatever. And she, they go and defeat the king, the kingdoms of darkness. The, at that point, the Canaanite king, Jabin, they're defeated, he's killed. Um, his general, Sisera, is one that escapes. And Jael is one that had somehow had favor with the Canaanite king. So the escaping general in the battle sneaks to Jael, Jael's tent, says, hide me. And so she's like, uh, okay, puts a blanket over him. The guy is so weary, gives him food, and so weary he falls asleep. And then Jael says, this is an opportunity to destroy the enemy, takes a tent peg, and drills it through his head. That's like, now that's a picture that uh, I don't have to have. So when the, when the invading king, victorious king, they show up, she brings him out with, <laughs> with the tent peg. So, yipes. 
Thanks for sharing that, Lord. That was ruthless, above fear. She kills the enemy. Sometimes you have to be ruthless with the enemy. Sometimes you have to use your planning skills. Yeah, sure, come into my tent. Come here, have a seat, go to sleep, and then take the devil out, all right? I know that's what warriors sometimes have to do. You have to be strategic, you have to be wise. So let's go to a better one. Eve, um, we know that the, she's the mother of all living, but you know, and nor- normally we are somewhat critical, we even make jokes like, I wish she never ate that apple, right? But think about it for a moment, right? She has to deal with not only banishment because of rebellion, but then one son kills another son. Cain kills Abel. So here's a mom, she's lost now. One is banished forever. They're all banished. And so what happens? She overcomes her failures and Seth is born. And the Bible is interesting, it's the godly line of Seth which Jesus came from. So in the midst of all that trial, tribulation of failure and brokenness, she overcomes her broken past and raises the next generation of righteous people. So we ought to honor Eve, the mother of all living. So when we think about godly women of today, the spiritual moms, the spiritual grandmas, the spiritual women in your life that have really spoken into you, and I feel like prophetically there's some people here, you've had godly advice come from a woman and you either shut it down, and my warning to you is listen. I heard that in my spirit, I'm electric. There's some that are sitting here today, you know what you've been told from a godly woman who's talking to you spiritually and giving you advice. And if you choose not to, the consequences of that will be severe. You might wanna date that, write it down, and then think about it, because if it comes tomorrow, for all of us. I wasn't planning on sharing that, but there you go, okay. Um, now, the other day, we, in our intercession, so I, I, we were in, I think it was intercession, I think it was Proverbs, I get lost in some of our meetings, but many of you women have read the Proverbs 31 woman, correct? Um, when I've had that conversation with daughters and, and others, granddaughters, it's, they always kind of get this feeling of, I don't measure up. You know, um, I like to sleep in. I'm not up at 4.30, right, you'll hear. I'm not sewing. I don't always cook all the meals. You know, I, um, I'm not cutting the grass and doing the bushes. You know, I'm not doing the bills. But I think you need to look at the bottom of that page. Proverbs 31 woman concludes in verse 30. Charm is deceptive, beauty will not last. But a woman who fears the Lord is greatly to be praised. If you've got, if you've got godly women in your life, man, just honor the God. They're, they're not perfect, right? So, but at the same time, if there's godly women, encourage their walk in godliness. I'm telling you, it will bless generations. I don't know what would have happened if this woman, 96 some odd years ago, wasn't born and didn't become a believer. 
the witness that she gave to me, my father's alcoholism, his brokenness, his PTSD, his abandonment by his father and all the Masonic broken garbage in his life, the wars, the men that were died under his command, he came back a broken man, used his alcohol to medicate his pain. The impact of that on me and my three brothers was significant, but this woman stood. There were times I said, I can't, I don't know how you did it, Mom. She stayed in the fight. She stayed and refused to give it up. And she was dealt a tough hand. Not only did she have that, but her childhood was, a, was not beautiful, not pretty. She had to do prayer ministry for the brokenness that came out of her own father. He was a World War I vet and came back busted and broken. So this, she was dealt a hand, and then a Down syndrome son, who in that time in the 50s would be institutionalized. So she raised us in such a way, and I believe I'm here today because that woman stood and said, there is a God, and he'll help me. So if you've got godly women in your life, I am blessed to have a godly wife. I'm telling you. When I, she has her private time in such a way that she, she spends many days in the quiet closet with the Lord and challenges me. Yeah, I'm the kind of outward going guy and all this stuff, right? And I might get some praise, but I, I know, I know why I'm blessed. So if you've got godly women or you're praying for a godly woman in your life, <laughs> whether it's a spiritual mother, someone, I'm just telling, pray that God will release the anointing of Proverbs 31 over the women in your sphere of influence. Encourage them, disciple them. And the other thing is, men, I've met, an, I've met enough dishonoring men who take advantage of the innocent, who are self-centered and selfish in their behaviors. And it's made it all, and, and I'm speaking about me. There's, I've, I've shared with you openly before, I have not always been a friend of God. And so I, I've really been humbled by the fact of how weak we are I shared this a couple weeks ago out of, Galatians, out of 2 Corinthians 4 that we are these earthen vessels. We are these weak vessels that have been given the treasure of God. Why would he give us clay pots to carry the, the, the fullness of God? What, 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 Lord, you could do this a lot differently. We could do a lot better. He goes, no, Paul got it right in 2 Corinthians 12. It's in my weakness that he's strong. So in all of our failures and all of our brokenness, all of our insecurities, there's this place where we can acknowledge who he is and we can say, God, in spite of this all, would you now bless these that are in my sphere? And let's raise up men of honor who are not ashamed of the gospel, who won't take advantage of them. I'll tell you what, when, I, when my young girls were dating, ooh, good Lord, there were men in their lives it's a good thing I was a believer. <laughs> so I want us to stand. I just want to ask the Lord to release a revelatory blessing this morning. And then I want to invite, um, if you're a visitor here this morning, we have a, a wonderful um, welcoming team that'll be in the cafe. So if you'll go through this door, uh, in the cafe there, you can get a cup of coffee and something, and it'll be a team that's there. We have a gift. If you'd like to know more about Global River, 
we've got some information, some stuff that gives background about the church and some people that can answer questions. I'll do my best to get out there. If not, we'll make a point where I can meet with you at another time, maybe on a Wednesday night. But um, the, the church is expanding. The church is growing. There's a mandate because I think what's happened is people know what's going on out there. You'd almost have to be brain dead to know that this, that the end is drawing very clear and near. Go and look at all the prophetic revelations coming out. I mean, Jesus told us what to look for. So we're really, we're getting closer. At some point, this thing's all gonna get rolled up. So people are being drawn to find truth and we need the truth that's gonna set us free. This scripture, this is true. We may not understand all of it, but this is true, and you can bank your life and your eternity on it. And so we're not gonna compromise this. I'm not gonna water down truth. If they wanna come and get us because we're telling the truth, let them come and get us. But, you know, but we're not gonna water down truth, right? We can't, we can't. We, so we have to be true. So I'm asking the Lord to release the revelation of truth that sets us free. Jesus is the way. He is the truth. He is life. There's no other way. If you're gonna try to find God in all your other journeys up the, there is no other journey up the hill. There's one journey up the hill. It's the Son of God. This, this book makes it really, really clear. The validation of all the archeological finds and science validate the truth of this book. And so you can bank on it, I'm telling you. Even if we don't have true, true, true revelation of everything that's happening, we know enough. He said, you're gonna know the season. Next week I'm gonna preach about just like in the days of Lot. Out of, Jesus said out of Luke's gospel, we're gonna, well, help me Jesus. So Lord, I pray right now, let's just close your eyes and Lord, I pray, Father, you gave us more and more. I had such revelation of these women of the scriptures and the battles they went through, the, the heartache, the turmoil, the loss, the brokenness, and yet they rose in the middle of that and played the hand they were dealt and they won victorious battles for the kingdom. And we're here now as the ecclesia because of a lot of what they did. So, and there's the unnamed faceless ones all through the different battles of the histories. We're gonna find out that the battles that were won were from the women who were on their knees praying for their children, their grandsons and their husbands that are in the battlegrounds. So Lord, I pray right now the revelation of the spirit of truth that would rise. God, that you'd raise up godly men of honor who will look differently and put away all the self-centered arrogance of pride and recognize we're living for a generation that may not even be alive yet today. We gotta set aside all this hurt and wounded brokenness and offense and justification. And we gotta rise above these things. God, I pray right now that there would be a mature bride who's being formed spotless in all of our stuff, even in our weakness and our failures, you point it out to us and then you say, come on back. Come on out of those pig pens and come to dad's house. God, I just pray, Father, for such nighttime revelations of visions and dreams, unctions of the spirit, words of truth jumping off the pages of the scriptures. God, I just pray that we would see this with our own eyes. Lord, I ask you to release this bride to go out and be the ones who are evangelizing cities and regions. 
Lord, I pray for the evangelistic move. I lift up Andrew and Lily, those leading the outreaches on Tuesday evening, the men's groups, the women's groups, the young adults. Lord, I pray that you would do such a work in our house that it would be filled with people searching and finding the one King Jesus. So we thank you, Father. We thank you for what you're doing among us. We recognize it's all about you. It's all really you. Anytime anything happens, any favor comes, one thing I've seen is because they knew it was from you. So Lord, I surrender this all to you now, and I thank you, Holy Spirit, for your purposes. Amen and amen. God bless you.